Welcome to a very scary and unsettling episode of Book Squabbles. Yes! I am hyped! All right, Mary, calm down. (laughs) I know, I've got to calm down. I can't be too excited about murder. Mary, I didn't know you were... Uncomfortable. She's so here for murder. We (laughs) can be excited about murder. We also have a special guest tonight to talk about murder with us. Uh, This is Stephanie. Say hey, Stephanie. Hello. Hi, Stephanie. Stephanie is a true crime enthusiast as well, and she is also the author of two mystery novels. Ooh. Oh, snap. One called Murder on the First Day of Christmas. Sweet. And one called Murder in a Two-Seater. They are set in Birmingham, Alabama, and they're series, and you can get them on Amazon and wherever fine mysteries are sold. Sounds awesome. I want to read about Christmas murder. Nice. Woo. All right. Woo. So. <laughs> we'll, we will link to that in the show notes, right? Yes, of oh, course. Great. Thank okay. you. Promo those book sales. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. Opening question. And I hope all of you have thought about this all week because I have. <laughs> I did. If you could have all the answers to any unsolved murder or crime, what would it be and why? For me, this is Stephanie. Uh, for me, that was really easy. Uh, John Denae. I yes. am dying that was gonna to be know. That was going to be my answer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think that's a. I think that's probably the most popular answer. If we did yes. a poll on yeah. Instagram, that would be the yeah. most popular. We answer. will do a poll on Instagram. Yeah, yeah good idea. <laughs> I would. I mean, there's. Uh, it's just such a weird case. This is Mary. I guess I still subscribe to like. You know who I am by now. No. (laughs) But, uh, like, that case is just so strange to me. And, like, both the parents are dead. And it kind of combines my love of making... Well, that sounds weird. My interest... Wait, the dad's not dead. Yeah, the the dad's not dead. Yeah, just the mom. Oh, I thought the dad died, like, recently. Did he? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Someone's somebody, typing. Somebody's looking at it. Somebody's googling. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. All right, I'm looking it up. Okay, you know good. What? It's me. I'm the Ravenclaw is looking it up. Regardless, it's like it's my interest in childhood studies combined with true crime, and that's just like too much to resist. I think there's just something extremely creepy about the fact that she was like a a child pageant yes. person because it's not a regular child murder. It's like a tiny beauty queen murder, which is frightening. The dad is still alive. Oh, okay. Is the brother still alive? He's also yeah. a Republican. Yes, yes. Oh my god, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have theories on this? Since everyone, the, is really the brother into did this it. One? I think the brother did it. You think the brother did it, and then they like, and then hit they're it. like covering it up. Yeah. That's what I. But think. it was like an accident. Yes. Like, did he do? Yeah. It on well, doesn't the brother have some sort of like mental issues or something like that? I don't know. I think I read somewhere that it's speculated that the brother might have some like mental health problems, or yeah. and then so it wasn't that. I don't know. It wasn't like an accident so much as it was like part of an episode, and then I don't know. Okay. I feel like there are people out there that know a lot more about this, so. Stephanie, what's your theory? Because we've we've watched some documentaries on this. Yeah. Yeah, there were the two documentaries on it, and they both had very different agendas. I actually think it was someone outside the house. And I know Susan thinks it was somebody what? inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> but what about the weird family behavior? They, they definitely did themselves no favors. And the <laughs> yeah. and the brother certainly has not done himself any favors lately by being on those um, documentaries. But 
one of the investigators just really made good sense to me when he talked about some of the the things in the ransom note and and the garrote, the way the garrote was tied. It just didn't seem like something that was a spur of the moment um, part of that crime. It was just something you, you concocted to right. cover up the, the kid, the brother killing his little sister in the spur of the moment. Right. It, it seemed to have like this this real fantasy behind it. Somebody had been thinking about it for a long time. They'd used some movie quotes. I mean, it was yeah, just, yeah. it just did not <laughs> seem like something you could really like, unless you were already a real creep. <laughs> you could just come up with to cover up a crime um, on the night before Christmas. I'll just, I'll throw in real quick, another <laughs> unsolved case that I don't think there's any way to solve it, but the Axeman of New Orleans New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I read about that earlier. It's, I was, like, looking up all these cases earlier, being like, I don't know anything about murders. Uh, basically, there was this guy. There's more to it than this, but, like, he would go around and murder people with an axe. And he left a note uh, to be published in the newspapers that said, you know, on this certain night, I'm going to go around with my axe. But if you're playing jazz music, I won't kill you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but I saw him on um, American Horror Story. So that's that's the guy, right? Yeah. 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 That's what. It's not a mystery. I saw that season <laughs> of American Horror Story. I get all my information from American Horror there's Story. Also, there's also yes. an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I don't. I do but not watch cool, that, but that sounds cool great. Story. You should jump on it. It's just two guys who talk about unsolved mysteries, and one of them wheezes a lot. Oh no! (laughs) But it's like it's like he's laughing. You lost me at two guys. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. But the wheezing did it. I guess I'll just say because I also said John Bonet. This is Kelly. If you didn't recognize my voice already, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Emily. Um. So I am going to go with. What I thought was a pretty obvious pick for um, podcast aficionados, and that would be Heyman Lee. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, true. I, I, very early. <laughs> but I mean, obviously the, it was Don. So, okay. Very early in the history of this book squad, we read um, Rabia Chaudhry's book, Adnan's Story. Um, I think we all listened to that podcast. Um, yeah. And some of us listen to some of the other podcasts surrounding Serial, like Rabia's podcast. I call her Rabia because, you know, we're best friends. Um, I wish. <laughs> we do talk about her a lot. Yeah. A Our cases. girl Rabia, you know. Um, listen, I met Rabia, so I am her yeah, best friend. So basically. I'm just like, because Kelly is her best friend and I'm Kelly's best friend and Kelly's my best friend, then Rabia is my best yeah. friend. So, Due to the transitive property. Yes, exactly. Of best friends. That's how best friends work. It's a science. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm, I've am i read a ton about this case. I've listened to like every podcast I can find about it, obviously. Um, I would really love it if we could find out what really happened. Um, and, you know, I don't think that Adnan did it. I'm pretty sure it was Don. I think it was Don. The the boyfriend. Yeah, we're all pretty sure it was Don. So, like, come on, I don't know. In an unreleased episode, <laughs> oh of right, this podcast, yes, which was we recorded that episode yes. as a practice, so no one has ever heard it. Mm-hmm. But we did record an episode accusing Don. Yeah, basically, <laughs> <of murder. laughs> essentially. Oh yeah, which is, I mean, 
And we discussed the book, too, That's but fine. mostly we all were like, but also, like, we all know John Hitter. Yeah. Um, and then probably for legal reasons, should not release that. Um, <laughs> we're, now but... we're talking about it again, so. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, we're, we did that. And now, everyone, here is Susan with her favorite unsolved favorite. mystery. Um, people probably don't really know about this one. I only know about it because it happened in my home state, but mine is the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. Um, yeah. So she was at the time she disappeared in 2011, a 20 year old student at Indiana university. Uh, she had gone out and drinking and partying with her friends and she disappeared on her way home and she's still not been found. And today I looked at her Wikipedia page and it says she's been missing for seven years and seven days. So there's still really no movement in this case, but it's, crazy because there's all this security camera footage of her throughout the night so you can see her like leaving a bar or leaving an apartment and the last footage of her is leaving her friend's apartment at like 4 30 in the morning she's barefoot has no phone because she left her phone and her shoes at a bar so you know she was like pretty tested um and then she's gone so she never comes home someone called her phone in the morning one of her friends did and someone at the bar answered it to say like hey this person left her phone here and that's when she was reported missing and nothing has been figured out since then i was wondering if that was the girl from all that with all that security footage that's what's so eerie about it you can see so much of her night and and how it just seems to be devolving into her getting a little bit more um, you know, just having a good time like we all have done and then, mm-hmm. you know, then walking barefoot and she's, which we all know, have done too. Yes. <laughs> she's getting a little bit more drunk and, you know, I mean, just walks into nothingness and yeah, and she's so scary. Gone. She's tiny too. She's like, really yeah, she was like 4'11 or something, yeah. like really tiny girl. And just for some reason that makes her seem even more vulnerable. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're both tiny on the, <laughs> over here. And so we're like, <laughs> We have a soft spot for the tiny girls that disappear. <laughs> but yeah, I've just, I, I check for updates on this case all the time and there's never anything and it's sad, but yeah. Uh, my mom went to school there too. So like, she's really into it also. That would be mine. Where'd she go then? Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I'm I just know, reading through really... her Wikipedia now and I, this is going to be a rabbit hole I go down later. I can tell. Oh, it will. Yeah. There's a whole timeline on there and stuff like that's based on security footage and whatever. But. Anywho, if so I were going to see, say John Bonet first, I was also going to say Natalie Wood. That oh, was yeah. my backup. Oh, good. Um, that that one is. I like that like you had a backup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, have I really know what's happened there. Yeah. I do too. At least the lamb was my other one. So, speaking of security camera footage, like that one's weird too. Um, and also, just like who really killed OJ Simpson's wife? Will we ever uh, know? OJ. <laughs> right, yeah. He said he was yeah, going to find the true killer. And <laughs> Okay. I know. I wonder how that's yeah, coming. Still waiting on OJ. Yeah. I wonder how the investigation It wasn't going. him. The glove didn't fit him. If the Guys. glove don't fit, you must acquit. He didn't try. <laughs> Why wouldn't he try? I'm so confused. It makes me so mad because when you look at the video, he looks like he's never put on a glove in his life. All right. Well, on that note. We should probably get started for real, for real. Um, we are talking about unsolved crimes because the book that we're discussing is I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which was about a, up until recently, unsolved crime. So this is our first nonfiction book on the podcast that you'll hear because we did 
Robbie's book, but no one will ever know about it. Um, this is the first one released to the public. Um, so this is a fun little adventure for us. So I'm going to read the Goodreads summary as always, but I cut it down because it was very, very long. Just unusual. And all mine are just way too short and give you nothing. So here we go. A masterful crime account of the Golden State Killer, the elusive serial rapist turned murderer who terrorized California for over a decade. From Michelle McNamara, the gifted journalist who died tragically while investigating the case. For more than 10 years, a mysterious and violent predator committed 50 sexual assaults in Northern California before moving south, where he perpetrated 10 sadistic murders. Then he disappeared, eluding capture by multiple police forces and some of the best detectives in the area. Three decades later, Michelle McNamara, a true crime journalist who created the popular website TrueCrimeDiary.com, which is awesome, by the way, was determined to find the violent psychopath she called the Golden State Killer. Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> got to happen once every time. Okay. Michelle poured over police reports, interviewed victims, and embedded herself in the online communities that were as obsessed with the case as she was. I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the masterpiece McNamara was writing at the time of her sudden death, offers an atmospheric snapshot of a moment in American history and a chilling account of a criminal mastermind and the wreckage she left behind. It is also a portrait of a woman's obsession and her unflagging pursuit of the truth. Framed by an introduction by Gillian Flynn and an afterward by her husband, Patton Oswalt, the book was completed by Michelle's lead researcher and a close colleague. Utterly original and compelling, it is destined to become a true crime classic and may at last unmask the Golden State Killer, which we know it did, yeah. but we're going to talk about that later. So we're just going to go to the book first and then we'll get into the actual like news of what's happening in real life. So um, first we should just talk about who the Golden State Killer slash East Area Rapist, slash Original Night Stalker, slash Visalia Ransacker, mm-hmm. was. <laughs> so he did a lot of stuff. Um, but he was active um, between 1974 and 1986, between 18 and 30 years old at the time of the spree. That's all they knew at the time. Um, he would stalk his victims for a while, like literally laying in the bushes outside of their homes and spying on them, he would enter their homes beforehand, hide their weapons, you know, take bullets out of guns, just throw everything off. Um, always wore a mask, always had a flashlight. At first he attacked uh, single victims and then he started um, only attacking couples for a long time. He would make the woman tie up the man. Um, he would make these homemade alarm systems, we'll call mm-hmm. them. For example, he would stack a bunch of plates on the man's back and then if he heard them move, or he'd say, like, if I hear a sound, I'll kill you. Uh, He would eat their food sometimes afterwards, uh, and then he would just stay around for a while. Like, people would think he had left and feel safe, and then it would turn out he was still there. Sometimes he would cry um, and say, Mommy, which we later found out might have been Bonnie instead of Mommy, a woman that he dated. So he had some women issues for sure. Oh, really? Um, if, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Is that why he was raping and killing people? <laughs> um, so eventually the rapes escalated. He would he would rape these people, tie them up, and leave, basically. And then um, eventually that escalated into murder. And then, yeah, at least 10 people were murdered. So whoever wants to jump in here with other details, like, go for it. I just wanted to give hey, a also, how scary this dude is. We know now he was a police officer. He was married and has kids. Like, presumably, he was just living a normal life and then at night going out and raping people. Yeah. And he just stopped for some reason. Um, they, they really haven't 
interviewed him enough to find out why he just stopped. But, you know, there was that theory that, you know, serial killers just are so compelled to, to rape and murder. They will never stop, you know, but somehow he just went into retirement and nobody knows why. (laughs) I'm retired. That's why people thought he died. I love that Michelle never believed that though. Like she never thought that. Also, we're going to call Michelle Michelle as if she's our best friend too. Um, But she seemed to just know he's not dead. Even though he totally stopped. Yeah. What was the scariest part about the crime descriptions for you guys? Uh, so many things. The, the bullets out of the gun or the eating of the food. So scary. That's- yeah, just basically the violation mm-hmm. of space. Yeah. The idea that, you know, like, um, I think it was like the first one mentioned in the book that like it was weeks before she was attacked. She saw like weird footprints in her house. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just that. And, like, that kind of reminded me of some of the stuff that I read about in Helter Skelter, which is the book about um, the Charles Manson cult. Um, But, like, in with those guys, too, like, they would break into people's houses and, like, mess with their stuff before actually doing anything. So this idea that, like, you know, there were signs that this was going to happen before or, like... What, there was there was the one time where like someone's dog. Oh my god, that was so fucked up. Yeah. Um. So like he was like hiding in the bushes and someone's dog got stabbed because he like came across him or something. Oh yeah, that's terrible. Just, but just this idea that like he's lurking around and violating spaces mm-hmm. and sort of like, I mean, several several weeks before anything actually happened, he was like, kind of like getting the lay of the land that to me is creepy and i know that's not particular to him i know i mean like i said like other killers have done that but that's really terrifying to me it's still scary yeah it's a it's such a violation you know there was something very like chilling about her descriptions of the people coming in and like finding the crime scenes the people who are not expecting oh yeah this like you know someone's parent or someone's you know whatever and they'd come home and like there's groceries oh, God, finding them in bed and yeah stuff was- like there's groceries oh, still sitting on the counter and then they like go in the room and the- there's like a lump under these blankets like on this bed and st- just stuff like that like it, it was very creepy <laughs> so i thought the writing was was good in that sense I I I was so scared that he just stayed around like would make a person feel okay to get up 45 minutes after the attack and then once they would try to move he would move again and then they would have to stay there even longer like that's yeah. horrifying to me and just the fact that you can wake up and someone's already in there like you think you would hear oh no I guess when you imagine these things you think you'd like hear a sound and you'd wake up to that but the idea of waking up and someone's already standing over your bed, like, yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Like, and the dog you thought was going to bark, he'd already made friends with, and so <laughs> yeah, so he's like, oh, yeah. cool, he's here. Yeah, the ears here, mom. You yeah. guys want <laughs> I was scared the most by him eating their food afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. Terrible. It's not. You know, it sounds kind of stupid. Like, oh, he had a snack, mm. but like, if you can rape someone or murder someone. And then just, like, have a casual snack afterwards. That's, you know, psychotic. That's a very casual violation. Also, not necessarily scary, but maybe, like, one of the most, uh, the, one, you know, you're talking about the writing and how the writing, Kelly, makes it really 
mm-hmm. um, interesting or particularly scary for you. And I thought, you know, like Michelle McNamara or McNamara had such a talent for making hard facts seem really emotional and painting portraits of these victims as real people and not just statistics. Like I have thought a lot about the 13 year old who got raped and her dog was in the room and she said, you dummy, why didn't you do anything? Oh yeah. That is so sad. Yeah. And then she just laid there and waited to be found. And the like, story of the mom and the daughter yeah. who were having uh, problems in their relationship and so the the daughter went off to, on some like I don't know like to stay with someone else or something and like while she was gone her mom was murdered and like there was no resolution to their you know um, right like the last words she said to her mom were like yeah why don't you get out of my life which sucks because yeah. she's just a teenager like <laughs> right yeah I'm sure if time had passed, like, that would have resolved itself, but they never got the chance for that, so. Also, the woman that said, um, you know, she was just trying to tell him anything to to appease him, and she said, you're good, while he was raping her, and he immediately stopped raping her and was, like, really taken aback by that and, like, strangely yeah. flattered. Oh, that, <laughs> that's, that's so creepy. Awful. Yeah. But also, that so got me thinking, like, you would say or do anything, anything you could. Like, to just try not to die yeah. while it's happening. Um, were any of you really aware of this case before reading the book no. at, all? Uh, at all? I mean... I can't imagine why it's not... Why it was not everywhere. Why it's not one of the famous ones, you know, that are that get so much notoriety. It's... Well, it wasn't clear for so long that, like, the East Area Rapist was the same person... Right. ...doing the murders, who then became called the Golden State Killer by... Michelle, um, like that wasn't even connected for a long time, but I don't remember hearing about the East Area Rapist either. And I consume a lot of true crime yeah. media, <laughs> like too much probably. So I think it all comes down to branding. You have to have that. <laughs> that Stephanie works in advertising, you guys. Yeah. It's funny, but it's you true. You have to have a catchy name. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I was like, uh, I, I had never heard of this at all. I don't really consume a lot of true crime, so I'm really just, like, I didn't know that this existed, really, until, like, I was vaguely aware, like, I was aware of Michelle McNamara and her death, and that she had been writing a book, but I didn't know what the book was about, and then I was at work, and one of my coworkers messaged our group chat and was like, guys, like, they found the GSK, and I was like, what, is that a boy band? Like, what is that? <laughs> They found the GSK. All this of them. This book was already on the list for reading, and you didn't know who the Golden State Killer was. Listen, I don't know what any of the books are Same. until I buy them. I don't even read the sub. I, I think my favorite murder. I like to be surprised. Me neither. Some of this, did they not? Same. I don't even remember ahead of that. I don't um, remember it either. But someone mentioned it recently, and now I feel like maybe they did an episode on it that I wasn't really like. It just didn't stick with me, right? Because it didn't feel. It doesn't feel like one of the major ones for some reason, even though it clearly should be. Because this guy was prolific in his crime committing. But yeah, so I think this is it's in the social cultural forefront right now because of this book. Um, 
And as this is the first true crime book we've covered, well, again, besides the one no one <laughs> will hear about, um, this is, and I will say this one's better than the one we did read, but <laughs> it's just, like, better written. Um, but it's part true crime and part memoir. A lot of yeah. this is about Michelle herself. So how do we think that that is working? Because I, I think when people hear true crime novels, or not novels, novels, that's fiction, <laughs> yeah. you guys. I know the difference. Okay. Um, when people hear true crime books, I think, but you think of, like, Aphrodite Jones. Right. right. Yeah. And, like, yeah. really, like, pulpy, like, just gross crime scene description stuff that's not really, like, that well written or anything. And this is really different from that. Well, so this is actually the second true crime book that I've read in the past couple of months. So I also read A False Report, A True Story of Rape in America, um, just, like, a couple of months ago. Uh, it came out in February of this year. Um, and it's also about a serial rapist. Um, and and it's not just, like, gratuitous rape descriptions. It also kind of just talks about how um, victim blaming and rape culture makes it difficult to um, solve crimes like this. Because, like, for the longest time, people didn't believe that this person was real. Like, they thought that the um the accusers were like making it up and it wasn't until they were able to like string all the cases together and realize that this was a serial rapist that they were they started to believe the victims which is really fucked up yeah it is it's a really good book i enjoyed it a lot um as as much as you can enjoy a book about rape i guess um <laughs> so actually I like i think it. reading those two books back to back almost not back to back, but like within months of each other, I was comparing them a lot. And I think I liked the false report better just because I felt like it had a pretty important message that I was trying to get across about rape culture. Um, and I wasn't quite sure, not that, you know, like all stories have to have like a moral or anything, but I wasn't, I don't know, this, this book just kind of seemed a little all over the place to me. Um, I wasn't always sure, and I know, like, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I just, like, wasn't always sure how the pieces fit together and, like, what sort of narrative we were supposed to getting be getting out of that. And I don't know if that's because, you know, she didn't get to finish the book before she died. Um, and so, like, some of it was pieced together um, after the fact. I don't know what would have happened with it if she had been able to finish it on her own terms. I'm also just curious about... How much of the fact that she died while making this book or while writing this book and the fact that um, she was so obsessed with this crime factors into how we're reading it and what we're taking out of it. And also, like, why was she so obsessed with this crime? I wasn't quite sure I ever understood that either. Well, I mean, it kind of it seemed like a similar thing to... Um, what Susan was saying about being interested in the case because she was, or being interested in Lauren Shippen? Shippen? I've already forgotten what? her name. Spear? Lauren Spear. Lauren Spear. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Lauren Spear, because you, like, what are you grew up in Indiana <laughs> and, like, you yeah. are aware yeah. of the area. And it seemed like uh, Michelle Mc Mc McNamara didn't necessarily grow up in California, but, like, she lived in California and, like, was familiar with the area to some extent and just, like, heard about the case and got interested in it. I mean... But, I mean, like, I, why does that make it interesting to me 
as a reader. But you know what I mean? I mean, I think she was interested in it to the point that she conveyed her passion, you know, pretty well through her writing. I mean, I was interested in it just based oh, I know, on... And I, I feel like a lot of people are, but I don't know. Like, I just wasn't... I, I, I mean, also, I think for me, the combo of memoir and... um true crime was really interesting and I I there's no way for us to know but like I wonder if there would have been more of that later in the book yeah um if she'd been able to finish because I'm thinking particularly uh, she talks about having a daughter and how you know her relationship with her mom was really strained at times and when she held her daughter for the first time she suddenly understood which is this is kind of like a thing people say all the time and it sounds stupid, but something about like the way she wrote it was really nice. And then kind of tying that in with the mother daughter relationship um, of these, this victim, you know, like it was compelling for me. And to me, it read like she was having a process of self discovery as she was going through this case and trying to find out who did it. I mean, and I partially too, it's so compelling because they actually caught him, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it now. Yeah. I think part of what was clear to me about why she was so obsessed with it was because why it's unusual that this is a cold case is because there's so much evidence. Like yeah. normally with cold cases that people get obsessed with, it's because like, there's just not much to go on. And it's like, where is it all? But this had, it seems like it should have been solved like pretty easily at some point. And yet he still managed to rape more than 50 people and kill more than 10 people. But there's all of this stuff. There's so many like threads to chase down. And I think she got, I thought that part was pretty clear, I guess, about just getting caught on a thread and like following it down. Like it's a new person you're dating and you're so excited about it. <laughs> it's yeah. going to go awesome. And then it's like a uh, red flag or, you know, whatever. And then it's not him. And so you have to like, reset like start that over again and i thought that was really compelling it's a nice it's an interesting snapshot to me of how detective work has changed over the years because dna testing just like wasn't there when this happened oh god yeah and yeah. it's well even when it became a thing like all that it did was i mean it did a pretty big thing which was connect that the east area rapist and the person killing these people were the same person right but still then it stopped there for so long yeah where it's like now there's still this like huge thing and now there's twice as much evidence on one person but like nothing really is ever getting solved and it's just fascinating that you know this there were so many incidents and there was a lot of evidence and then you know people it really gripped the cities that where this was happening you know people would sleep in shifts because you know it would happen night after night. I mean, within like 24 hours sometimes between, um, between incidents. And even, you know, if he got, um, kind of caught, almost caught or, um, delayed from entering one house, he would just go down the street and attack someone else. I mean, he was just so unstoppable. And yet a lot of people have never heard of this case. It just feels like once she started digging into it and saw how many, um, cases, how many separate crimes there were, and then all the evidence about those crimes, and then it's still not getting any kind of press or notoriety. 
And and she got to know those people when she started interviewing the people. Their stories are so compelling. And I just think she just couldn't let it go. She just really played such a big role in getting press for this case. And then I think it, it re-energized yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised how many people online also like jumped on that. Um, that one guy that she talked about. The kid. compiled all of that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That like, was fascinating too. That is so fascinating. And I'm like, that is going to probably be I mean, like, like, apparently people just do this as a hobby, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the My Favorite Murder episodes where they interview Billy Jensen and Paul Holes. And Billy Jensen was like, everybody, if you want a hobby that can really change some lives, <laughs> start making timelines. And I was like, wait, people can do that? But then I guess that's what Michelle McNamara did, you know? Plus, this case was like could be solved because they had so much DNA and all this stuff with the the 23andMe and the familial DNA. I mean, it w- there's going to be more than one case solved by that kind of technology. And she just knew that that time had come and saw this as the perfect, perfect test case for that. That's awesome yeah. that she knew that. And then that is what happened. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. Jamine Ramsey, you can solve it. Just make some timelines. <laughs> I know. Yes. I'm excited to see what else happens with that because I think remember there was that moment that they were like maybe this is actually going to solve two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. But still, um, there will be more. I'm sure. Um, since we're talking about like the the narrative stuff, do you think the time jumps like going back and forth between the crimes and then the memoir stuff and then even just timelines of crimes? You know, kind of starting we start with a murder and then go back. Like, how did this work for you guys? Um. For me personally, I I found the time jumping very difficult to follow. Um, I'm not a per- as I said before, like I'm the least true crime interested of everyone on this podcast. I don't listen to true crime podcasts. I've listened to Serial, and like that's about it. Like I I just like don't I, I don't dislike it, but I just don't find it that interesting. I guess. Mm-hmm. And, like, it doesn't – I don't find, like, like serial rapes compelling. <laughs> it just, like, felt <laughs> – so while I was reading – How dare like, the you, first Kelly? Couple, well, don't imply that we all love serial rapes, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even, like – it's not lo- – I just don't – like, I'm not, like, excited – like, I'm not interested. I'm, like – I'm not, like, horrified either. I'm just kind of bored. So – like for me this i mean and this is just like this book is obviously not written for me because i'm not the type of person who like cares about this kind of stuff so but for me like the first couple descriptions i was like oh this is really interesting like whatever but the it, there were more and more and more and at a certain point i would just like i stopped paying attention to who was who because there were so many people and it kept being like blah 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 1977 blah 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 19 <laughs> 83 blah 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 1976 and i'm like i don't know i can't keep what track of this shit it? and like like what kelly, year we're is gonna it? have our first fight over this book I yeah think. i yeah I, I mean i'm with <laughs> kelly here in that like i'm not sure why some of the things were told out of order um yeah and i'm not a person who is thrown by weird timelines or anything like that but yeah when you're you're already dealing with a large cast of victims. Victims. Yes. And you're you're trying to sort of create like make a pattern of okay, so how how is this developing? Like what's happening with this story? 
And I mean, especially if like, I didn't know anything about this case before coming in to this. I was like, I, I purposely like didn't want to read anything about it before reading this book. Cause I was like, I want, I don't, I want everything in this book to be sort of like a discovery for me. Right, and then me I will take the time to read more about it afterwards. Um, so like, I, I think maybe if I had been following the case already, that would have been fine. But not knowing anything about it, I found it kind of confusing. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have been fine with the – like, it didn't bother me, the jumps, like, with her her life and, like, present day or yeah. whatever, like, present day of while she was writing. Like, that part made sense to me to be, like, I'm investigating this right now and then jump back to, to say the crimes or whatever. But I think that it would have been more successful for me personally if, like – the crime timeline had remained consistent and then jumping to the present between that, if that Yeah, no, I um, agree with you. I mean, I, like, I kind of just went with it. Um, yeah. But I, like, if it had jumped back and forth between the more memoir-y parts and the more investigative parts, that would have been fine. Or... If there had been like a nice timeline in the front of the book, <laughs> like yeah, well, the a map. So like I listened to the audiobook, so I think that was like even harder for me to keep track of stuff because I can't flip back and forth and like look at stuff. Uh, but I listened to the audiobook too, and I felt like it was easier. Okay, the audiobook. First of all, I just have to say this is so fucking bad. Okay. No, it's not. First, I've heard so much worse audiobooks than this girl. Yes, you've been saying this for weeks that the audiobook is so bad, and I was like, it can't be that bad. And today, I listened to the podcast that the publisher put out when this book was released, and there are clips from the audiobook. Uh-huh. And I swerved a little on the road, like, who is this robot? <laughs> What? You guys, I did not have this reaction at all. Oh, my God. Okay, I don't listen. And and Emily said earlier, I was talking to her about it, and Emily was like, so the thing that bothers me the most about this audiobook is that this woman reading it, first of all, is a bad (laughs) actress, and she's very melodramatic in her line deliveries. Look, I've heard worse. And just pick up the Hunger Games books if you want to hear some real melodrama. That's but the okay. thing is that's a YA book. This is a nonfiction crime book. Yeah, but it's a scary okay, one. Okay, she also read that same that same narrator also read Annihilation with that same. Oh, it's the same I narrator. Don't like that either. Okay, so yeah, wait, the Hunger Games one or this one? No, no, the Hunger Games and Annihilation. Okay, well, either way, she, she is. My number one least favorite. I don't like that narrator either. And I feel like we we are mortal enemies now. Like, if I met her on the street, I'd be like, it's you. Okay, well, back to this lady. All right. Why? She, I'm just saying, there's always worse, and it's- I know, but- So, I don't listen to very many, so I was just, like, very taken aback by the fact that this woman, like, every time she was speaking for a male character, just gave this, like, awkward, gruff voice- that she assumes all men have, apparently. So she, for every investigator, and it wasn't like she was doing character voices to help us, like, like differentiate between characters. She gave every dude the same voice. And yeah. then all the women were just her voice. So it was like... Every dude, including the Golden State Killer. Yes. They all had the same... And she'd be like... She'd be like, Michelle asked a question. And be like, well, I don't know about that, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, that was her, like... It was so awful, and it, every time she did it, I was just, like, cringing, and it made me, like, ugh. I feel like I would have enjoyed this book so much more if I had read it and, like, 
And I usually, this is the first book for this podcast that I've listened to on audiobook because I was like, you know what? This seems good. Like, I like listening to nonfiction. See, this is why I'm not as bothered by it because I listen to a lot of these yeah. books and a lot of them are yeah. way I'm, I'm with fun. Susan here. Like, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Like, I'd say, like, I read about half the books and I listen to about half the books. Not for the podcast, but just, just in, in life. General. Um, yeah. I'm on, yeah. I'm on, like, a half and half. And I will say, like... Most narrators do voices for opposite genders, and it's worse when men do it because the the really super uh-huh. annoying female voice that they'll do yeah. is like offensive. Um, yeah. But it's just to the point where like it does. I don't even notice it anymore unless it's really bad because most narrators do that. Well, I guess I only really listen also to. I don't like listening to fiction audiobooks. Like I I have a hard time following. And keep and like keeping up with the plot, I just like lose where I am. But I like listening to nonfiction books that are like in essay format, sort of. So that's what I usually listen to. And usually, it's like the reader, the person reading is reading their own work. Well, not usually, but a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe it's different when people are reading their own work if they're good at it. <laughs> I don't know, but like this also this had well, bad. I mean, sound Kelly, quality. she's dead, so she well, yeah, do yeah, that. But I'm Kelly. just. <laughs> I do agree, though, Kelly, with the sound quality. I thought the sound quality on this recording was really bad. The S's especially were, like, stabbing my ears. They were like, you guys, we're just inviting people to listen to our sound I know, but, like, we are. let's maybe just skip over it. Yeah, no one's paying us for If you want to pay us, then we will make the sound quality even better than this buttery, smooth sound quality you're hearing right now brought to you by me. I'm just talking to you straight. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that's all I have to say. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. Two out of three people don't recommend that you listen to it. I wasn't bothered by it. I said it, I wasn't so bothered by it. Just pick which person you like Based the most. Based clip I heard. Mary does not <laughs> no. recommend. Mary also has more problems with audiobooks, so maybe she and I just are pickier. Yeah, in general. But I want to hear Mary – but Mary loved this book, and so I want to hear Mary talk about – what she loved about the book generally. I will say I read it on even a different format. I read Whoa. it on my Kindle. Oh yeah, you're and doing that. I went to the bookstore the other day and saw a hard copy of it and I picked it up and I was like, there are pictures in here? Yeah, that's God what you missed it. out on. <laughs> <laughs> Those of us that had the actual book, because I listened to half of it in audio and half of it in the real book. Because like I said, I'm a half and half girl. Yep. Um yeah, I got the pictures. It was sweet. Stephanie, you read it, right? I did read it. I read the book. Tell me about the pictures. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'll show them to you. There, there's the note, the drawings and the notes. and the, uh, <gasps> Oh, no. I well, so there was a PDF thing that came with the audiobook. There was no fold-out. It probably wasn't as cool. There was no fold-out poster of Paul Holes, though. I was disappointed about oh, that. Oh, like a shirtless <laughs> kind of Tiger Bee yeah. situation. <laughs> I will say, Paul. so... I I don't know if Aziz Ansari, we're not allowed to talk about him anymore because, I don't know, sexual misconduct. I don't know how you're about to, like, praise him like crazy. um, (laughs) I did, yeah, I did listen to the audiobook version of Modern Romance, and there are a lot of pictures in Modern Romance. And I love how when he's reading Modern Romance, he'll get to, like, a part that has a picture. And he's like, well, if you had the actual book, you'd see this picture. But you decided (laughs) to listen to it, so I don't know what to do for you, dude. And 
I really appreciated that. Well, the tone might not have fit with this situation, but yeah. <laughs> I get it. I want to share a maps of the victim, but you're listening to the book, so fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if that um, would work. You're right. Now that you brought up Paul Holes, I think we need to talk about him, and then also just the like how closely involved Michelle was with not just Paul Holes personally. Uh, but the whole actual investigation when it kind of came out of being a cold case again. And Mary wrote on this doc, he is hot and smart and I love him. <laughs> yeah, that's why the hashtag hot for holes became a thing because everyone thinks that. <laughs> and he is probably shocked by all of this. But anyway, so Paul Holes is uh, a detective that Michelle McNamara actually got to ride around with and sort of be part of the investigation. But this is where we see her obsession with the case too and how it's affecting like her marriage and her family and just what did you guys think? I don't know. Paul Holes seems, based on parts of the book with him in it and uh Michelle's like interaction with him and based on like interviews I've heard with him since then, he just seems like a really warm, open guy who just loves his job and wants to catch criminals. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so like it's really refreshing to see and it, you know, even when interacting with her in the book, there's stuff he couldn't say because it was official and she would ask something and then she'd say like, Well I know you can't I know you can't, like, be in love with her. But it's, like, still inviting... (laughs) Yeah, but, like, inviting her to go with him to look at the actual crime sites, you know, and telling her things, sharing his information with her. And he called her his partner on the case. And, like, I don't know. It's just... It seemed like they both were just, like, very passionate to solve the case. And I enjoyed seeing that because it's such a contradiction to the typical narrative of like i'm the law enforcement and you've got to listen to me um that's a fictional narrative by the way (laughs) what just say like that typical i feel like that's the typical like fictional narrative like in detective fiction where it's like you've got the private detective trying to like solve the case and then the police are like really dumb and they're like we're on top of this don't come meddling in our business like yeah yeah uh, but i think also like police often say we have authority in order to like cover up their ineptitudes a lot of the time. Yeah, and I think they're at least in I mean when you think about something like uh like even in serial like the the willingness of investigators to open up to like journalists like you know, I think he was very I appreciated that he took her seriously even though she's technically like a quote-unquote amateur detective. A citizen, you know. I also like Carol Daly. I mean, I think I wish we were seeing more interviews with her or um, I loved the part she played in this book. She was such a great victim advocate for you know, Jane, um, one of the very first uh, victims. Yeah. And it was so amazing to have a woman on the scene there to really, you know, kind of bond with the victims right away, get them, sit with them at the hospital. And, you know, it's got to be so traumatic after this is this terrible experience. And then to go to the hospital and have to answer questions and have a rape kit done. I mean, she was really, that was, that was like the first time that um, she said that she was the first woman on their, their, in the division or in that role. And that's just, 
you know, something maybe we would take for granted now, of course, a woman would be escorting you to the hospital to, to help you have your rape kit. But I mean, to really play that role at that time was just amazing. I wish we could see more of her because she was, she was, I read a book about about her. her. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. But back to, um, the question about like how this, how Michelle's approach to this and the effect it had on her and her family, you know, reading this, knowing that she is dead is like, on it, it really does feel like an ex- like an exploration of like what happened to her and like how this person just kind of like spiraled into obsession with something and how it like was terrible for her health and how she just like lost sight of a lot of important things and like you know it was really sad to me like as much as I'm like you know yay this case is solved and she did such a good job I'm also like you know her poor kids and like her poor well Mm -hmm. I mean Patton Oswalt is already remarried so I don't care but Well, That's where your sympathy ends. I'm just, I'm just, I, mean, I, think I'm, I think people get into true crime to try and make sense of a senseless world. Sometimes it's that fascination with it. So, I mean, I don't, I certainly don't want to speculate on her mental health or anything, but I mean, it, that seems like her fascination with true crime was a symptom of other struggles in her life to make sense of things. Yeah. You know, her relationship with her mother and all, you know, so many other things that she had going on in her life. And then her fascination with true crime was definitely a part of that. But, I mean, I, I get it. I really sympathize and empathized with her, you know, because sometimes I feel like I use true crime as just a way to escape from the anxieties of my own life, you know. Right. And, and it seemed like she was doing that as well. Stephanie and I are both guilty of watching daylight episodes, like, while we fall asleep. <laughs> Which oh, yeah. is probably like not cool for us. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, she's yeah. just in bed like, with my, her boyfriend. My <laughs> favorite thing to fall asleep to is the ASMR Unsolved Mysteries. Whoa, though, what? Which Tell is me a more. thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole like, um, there's a whole series of unsolved mysteries that are like read in like oh, ASMR. Really? Like, oh really? Oh my gosh! Yeah. And that's what I like to listen to to go to sleep. There's one on oh, Joe okay. I, I need this so. in my life because David's going to be so happy. Gonna, the one bad <laughs> thing about the day lines the- is that 911 call, that hysterical 911 call always wakes me up. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, actually, the so the Jean Benet ASMR video, there's one that does have clips and then there's one that doesn't, so that if you want to listen to it and actually like listen to it all the way through, you can listen to the one with clips. If you actually want to fall asleep, take them out. So that was very nice of her to do that. So I will uh, yeah, ever, please link to those so we well. can all know about it. And maybe we'll link to our favorite daylight oh, yeah. episodes. Here for you. Right. Just sure. in case you want. Keith Morrison episodes. In case you can. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's good REM sleep there. Yeah, and if you don't follow the Instagram at yeah. Keith Leans on Things, yeah, let's that's go ahead so and do funny. that too. I'm going to skip all of this and just... <laughs> Well, then you are not going to make sense of the sense world. world. Yeah. I'm like, Kelly's world, here. Kelly's world just makes sense already. Nice for you, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that I listened to a bunch of podcasts about this case on the on my nine and a half hour drive today. Yeah. And um, one of the things that stuck out is I was listening to the My Favorite Murder episodes on this case. And... Something that Billy Jensen kept saying is 
women, more women are interested in true crime than men. Like, men will just be like, whatever. It's it's mm-hmm. a crime. You know, I'm thinking about, like, how people discuss my favorite murder and speculation about why it's become so popular. It, I mean, like, yes, it's, like, funny and they have an interesting friendship dynamic and that sort of thing. But also, like, I think there's something, too, like, women particularly being interested in true crime because it does help... It, do, it is an attempt to make sense of, like, why does everyone suck? Exactly. <laughs> also, like, most of the victims of true crime are women. so They are women. And, you know, like, it's a, it's a place where really terrible things that happen to women are discussed bluntly. Like, domestic violence and abuse and murder and rape. And it's discussed bluntly because, you know, you're presenting the facts of a case, but also it's like an acknowledgement, these terrible things happen, we should talk about it. Does someone have their copy of the actual book with them? Girl, I got this letter pulled up. Okay, thank you. Oh, it's fine. We can just splice in from the, um, from the audiobook. <laughs> no. I will, I will read it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just going to read the last little bit. Um, so this is the epilogue to the book. It is a letter Michelle McNamara wrote to the killer, you know, who they didn't know who it was yet. And it ends chillingly, I think. It's called Letter to an Old Man. Yes. She writes, One day soon, you'll hear a car pull up to your curb and engine cut out. You'll hear footsteps coming up your front walk like they did for Edward Wayne Edwards 29 years after he killed Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew in Sullivan, Wisconsin, like they did for Kenneth Lee Hicks 30 years after he killed Lori Billingsley in Aloha, Oregon. The doorbell rings. No side gates are left open. You're long past leaping over a fence. Take one of your hyper, gulping breaths. Clench your teeth. Inch timidly toward the insistent bell. This is how it ends for you. You'll be silent forever, and I'll be gone in the dark, you threatened a victim once. Open the door, show us your face, walk into the light. God, I just got chills again, you guys. That's good. So good. That's good stuff, stuff. yeah. (laughs) I just got chills, for real. Um, Okay, and the reason it's all the more chilling is because he was caught um, on April 24th, 2018, 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder um, based on DNA evidence, familial DNA evidence. Um, however, due to some bulls- bullshit <laughs> statute of limitations on rape, he's not going to have to pay for all of those rapes. Um, and then let's all just take a minute and think about how dumb it is that there is a statute of limitations on rape for a second. Okay. That's dumb. Cause it's not like nobody reported it. It's not like, yeah, no, these were like just to remember documented years ago. I was raped, you know? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, and I think we've kind of covered this question, but it was like, how much credit do we give Michelle for bringing the case back, back from the dead, um, and sparking interest again. But we, we have sort of talked about that cause she wrote about it on her blog and then she wrote some, um, journalism pieces for it too that got people on it clearly we had never heard and of then it. paul holes was like hey 
I'm also very interested. And then everyone was like, everyone was like, a man is interested. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair to Paul Holes, like his job was cold case investigation. But what's cool about Paul Holes is that was not always his job. Like his job wasn't that before. He just like kind of got interested in it in the same way that she did. And that's why I think they were a really cool team. But um, however it happened, like the point is he is, He's in prison now, which is cool. And he looks scary as fuck still. He's still not really talking, though. A creepy old white man. He is not talking. And and Paul said that when on on some podcasts that when they had him under surveillance before they captured him, you know, he was just very fit. And he would ride his motorcycles at high rates of speeds. And he was just so, like, just still very much a man's man kind of macho. And then his first court appearance is in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's acting very frail. I mean, he is still the master manipulator. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's so scary. fun in jail, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so crazy to me that it took that long because, like, if this was happening today, there's no way it would... I mean, just crime scene technology is so different now, but... It's crazy to me that it went on as long as it did, even. And, like, yeah. he thought there was a time that this guy, for a long time, I'm sure, thought he was fine. Like, right. yeah. he got away with everything. It was over. He had a whole life. And that's what is so chilling to me about that letter to an old man. Is like, there's another part in that letter where she's talking about, like, you know, a lot of people think you're dead. Like, I know that you're not. And I'm like, I love that because she doesn't really know. She just, like, has this feeling that... He is not dead, and the and way that she imagined that happening is actually really. But close. years and years later, he would call his victims and you know yes. speak in that clenched um, teeth voice of Ooh. his, and you know say things like, "Do you want to play again?" Because he had told some victims, "Let's play." And Ugh. I mean, he's just—he was still living the fantasy, even though he oh, wasn't yeah. acting on it. He was just too scared to do it for real. Like now, probably knowing that he'd get caught so much more easily but yeah that is terrifying like do you remember when we played yeah get out of here dude yeah bye i'm glad he's alive though because like this would be so much less satisfying if he just like died and got away with everything like he should at least spend the last few years of his life yeah i just hope this is like he is chilling for other serial killers who are thinking about this familial DNA and how it's being used and that, you know, oh, yeah. they left DNA at a crime scene. They don't even have to be doing 23andMe, just like their Aunt Gladys, you know, just puts her, <laughs> her DNA in there and suddenly he's like busted. Aunt Gladys I, I have one absolutely day. zero problem with privacy issues or anything about that. I know people are already up in arms about like, oh, they're using our DNA for, you know, the DNA we put on these open source websites for, you know, the cops are using that, but I don't care. I I feel no sympathy for them. Maybe don't rape. Yeah, don't don't leave your DNA at crime scenes and and you'll be fine. Don't rape 50 people. If you've learned anything from this podcast, to not worry about it. Yeah. So true. All right. New t-shirt. Maybe don't rape 50 people. Yeah. Um, okay, well, do we have any other, like, final thoughts about this book before we get into the listener feedback? I liked it. 
Are we rating it? Are we going to do our rating? Oh, yeah, we got to rate it. Yeah. We got to rate it. I, w- I would rate it. Uh, I would rate it four out of five stars, considering the genre. Like, of the true crime yeah. genre, I give it four out of five. Is it, like, the best book I've ever read? No. But um, I did enjoy her writing a lot, and within the genre, I really liked it. And that was Mary. Yes, that was that was me, Mary. This is Kelly, and I'm going to give it a three mm-hmm. because I am because you listen to it on audiobook. Because I listen to it on <laughs> no, because like it's just like I, and I've said, I admitted this earlier. It's just like not really my thing. But yeah, like it's for what it is. If it was my thing, I probably would have liked it more. Maybe. So I'm giving it a three. Um, this is Emily. I'm also giving it a three. First of all, I just want to say that when I tried to use that logic for Horror Store, y'all called me out on it and said, like, but we should rate it just like we rate anything else. So hypocrites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Also. But, okay, fine. I think regularly <laughs> I would give this a three anyway. Also, three. still giving three it a three. Like, it was fine. I do really like true crime and obviously – I have read at least two two true crime books already this year. Probably will read some more. Um, And uh, it just wasn't my favorite of the ones that I've read. There were some moments that were really engrossing and other moments where I felt it was dragging a little bit. And I just, I felt like it was kind of uneven and that it it felt unfinished to me. So, yeah. Well, it was unfinished, but... (laughs) um, I am going to give it a four, um, not in a genre-specific way, just in general. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I thought um, – I think she's a really good writer, like, in a way that surprised me. I didn't – I liked it more than I thought I would, actually. So, I'm give it a four. Yeah, I would also give it a four. I mean, just because five is just should be the – the, <laughs> the top, yeah, the best of the best. But I thought for um, re-energizing yeah. her cold case and just weaving in her own personal stories and bringing such such great um, sympathy to the victims and really like really telling their story in a way that they just couldn't. I mean, I I thought she did an amazing job for that. I think if she had been allowed to finish it herself and on her terms, that would have been you know, so much better, but I think they did a great job yeah. kind of completing her yeah, story. Yeah, I'm docking so her a star because she died. I'm that person. No! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I mean, bit, I, I do, I don't want to yeah. diminish in any way, like, what this book has accomplished. I think it's really amazing. The work that she did, um, did that add up to a book that I enjoyed reading? Not always. Sometimes. That's, a, I mean, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I I do wish like we could see what it would have been if she had been yeah. able to finish it herself, but unfortunately yeah. we cannot. That sucks. But uh, also, so yeah, that's it for that. And yeah, uh, like, as Kelly Rotten said, Britain. have fun in jail. You forgot the part where I called him a bitch. <laughs> um. Okay, so we actually have some listener feedback related to this book that we're going to read now. Ooh. Um, this is feedback from someone who he, we harassed on Instagram, and by we I mean me, yesterday, <laughs> asking her to email. Um, <laughs> so this is Katie from Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada. Hello from Canada. Canada! Uh, that's, that's me saying that because I was just in Canada today, but now I'm back. Um, 
<laughs> Hello from Canada earlier today. <laughs> Hello from Canada earlier. Okay, so Katie writes, and this is a pretty long letter, um, but I'm going to – okay, here we go. Thanks for your podcast. I've listened, and I'm – actually, I think this is slightly abridged, right, guys? Yes, okay. it is because, it, I mean, it was a very long – and very yes. sweet email, but you which know, we love. Katie some of it was just for us. Too many nice us. things to say. Yeah, we don't want to <laughs> brag too much. Yeah. Anyway, okay, here we go. Thanks for your podcast. I've listened to American Wars, Station Eleven, and the Mother's discussions. Also, Ready Player One, even though I'd only seen the movie, not read the book, and now I won't read the book. And you dissuaded me from buying it for my twelve-year-old. <gasps> Guys, we accomplished so much. <laughs> I so know proud. we actually changed the world. Yeah. I disagree, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> fine and also your solo discussion i found you under the hashtag for american war on instagram and now my book club will be discussing it next year anyways i love actual book club and discussing a book after reading it but usually after i'm done i just listen to author interviews and read goodreads comments so your podcasts are a really nice take after reading the book and of course i love when you choose canadian authors i'm older than you guys with three kids but also three cats so maybe we can still relate anyone with a cat Three cats. Welcome. I mean, really, age ain't nothing but a number when you have cats. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, I also... So, or dogs, you guys. Let's be just fair. Just pet, pets or of dogs. any kind. Sweet babies. Side note, <laughs> I am really... Stephanie's touched. dog is part of this podcast today. She's I'm here. really touched. Yes, special guest Katie, <laughs> that you are listening to our podcast as an actual book club. It makes me really happy. Yeah. You're doing it right. That's what we intended. That's the dream. <laughs> So thank, thank you. you. Okay, so she says, So I bought I'll Be Gone in the Dark for my husband who likes crime novels, given the blurbs that said it was a page turner, etc. He has not read it, as is often the case with my gu- book gifts. That happens. <laughs> but, yeah. But then I grew intrigued to read it myself once the Golden State Killer was caught and actually read it once I knew you would be discussing it, and it seemed like a good way to start a holiday. Yeah. Anyways, I, I liked it fine, actually more than I thought I would. I was, surpri- I was surprised how interesting to read it was, given that it's not an unsolved case anymore and that the author passed away unexpectedly. For some reason, I thought these would both be detractors. Sometimes I was bogged down by details, so many horrible crimes, such young women and girls, just so many lives altered. But she changed it up often enough that even when I got bored or couldn't focus, then it was okay because she was on to another facet of the case. It made me think it would be interesting to know more about the end the backlog movement for getting all DNA tested and entered into a, the, national database. I don't really know much about it, just what's on Law & Order SD. Same, honestly. I know (laughs) even less, Katie, don't worry. Also, I was worried the book would speculate more on who he was, but it didn't do too much of that, surprisingly. I guess it's a book I would recommend if a person had any interest in this case. Yeah. Which I totally agree with you on that. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much, Katie, for... Writing to us and listening. I just, I just want everyone to read books and be happy. Exactly. Aww, that's our T-shirt. If you've got three cats. You're well on your way. Okay, right. so we have um, some Station Eleven feedback as well. Yeah. Anyone want to read one of these? Stephanie, uh, do you want to read one as the guest? Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't have to. Do you want this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I will. All right, I'll read Claire's. Is that fine? Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is Claire from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Initially, I thought I wouldn't like the shifting narration that really zooms in and out in perspective, but I loved it because of what the novel is about and how humanity is both up close and far away. 
Oh, good point. I really enjoyed this beautiful book and how it didn't try to solve all the questions or come up with all the answers or solutions to what happened. It was really about people in life before and after. I agree. I like that. That's a nice way to put that. Yes. Humanity both close up and far away. Yeah. Emily, do you want to read Emily's dad's comment? Yeah. <laughs> you need to read it in a gruff man's voice. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Like you're an audio post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you guys, listeners, that my dad found out that he was going to be featured in this episode. It, 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 the title character of this episode, actually. Yes. Not, yes. not this one currently, but the... <laughs> Our episode the, um, call, Station called 11. Call Emily's Dad. Yeah, that's yes. my dad. That's my dad. Here's um, a question. So Is he, he going to hear his question was read on this episode, and so now he's going to listen to this episode? Well, yeah, because also he's uh, going to read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, so he'll nice. be listening to this episode. I just want to yes. keep mentioning him, him, him into a listener. So you just what? Keeps, I just want to keep mentioning him so he keeps yes. having to listen. No, but like also he'd read Station Eleven and actually he, my dad was the first one to recommend Station Eleven to me before Todd recommended it. Ah. So technically. Uh-oh, boyfriend versus dad battle. Well, it's not my boyfriend, <laughs> so my dad wins. Sorry. Um, anyway. No, not your boyfriend. <laughs> So technically, the re- half the reason this book got picked is because I'd already purchased it because my dad recommended it, and then Todd wanted it, and then that's the whole story. But anyway, so that's my dad listened to this episode, and I asked him, like, so now that you listen to our episode, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah. And this is what he said. He's got a few questions for us. Um, first of all, how does the post-apocalyptic world in Station Eleven compare with others like Mad Max? Or The Road. I know I thought a lot about The Road when I was reading it and how much more likely the post-apocalyptic scenario... Or how much... How it was a much more likely post-apocalyptic scenario than the one in Station Eleven. Um, Have you guys read The Road? Yes, I love it. I've read it several times. How do you feel about that as a post-apocalyptic... Post-apocalypse... (laughs) <laughs> elliptic Emily, it's happening again. scenario <laughs> uh, compared to Station Eleven. What do you think? I I don't know, but my initial thought is I think the two books are doing different things with the post-apocalypse. I think that while both books could be interpreted as hopeful in the end... I think Station Eleven is more hopeful and more optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That being Which said... Which is perhaps I, why it's not as realistic, according to my Yeah, dad. no, true. I love how in the road, there's just, like, straight-up cannibals and, like, lots of gruesome, yeah. gross stuff. Um, which is in Station Eleven, too, to a much lesser extent. So, I mean, like, my initial thought, I would have to think about it, because this is a really good question. I think all of these post-apocalyptic scenarios are doing different things, so they have to be different. Yeah, I think part of the point of Station Eleven is that there is hope for humanity. Right. And that something like the road sort of seems to be suggesting, nah. I mean, (laughs) I always interpret things the darkest way I can. You know, like, <laughs> Jonas totally dies at the end of The Giver. Um, right. Yeah. Like, you uh-huh. know. Spoilers. Um, I like to think of you just going through the, going through life, being like, 
I'll just interpret this day in the darkest possible way. <laughs> but like in the road at the end, you could say like, ah, this child is going to live and he's carrying the light. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this isn't good. This isn't yeah. a good scenario for him. It's like in that movie Snowpiercer when the children live at the end. And I'm like, but they're in the snow and they're totally going to get eaten by bears. They're going to die in, like, a day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's minutes. a great movie. You guys should watch it. Snowpiercer. What did he say about the cult, Emily? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so, all right. Letter. So, next question. <laughs> um, another thing that's... This is my dad again. And I'm sorry, I'm not doing gruff voice, so you might not be able to tell. Um, another another thing, thing that stayed with me. <laughs> I can't do that. It's my dad. That's silly. Another thing that stayed with me was the question about whether it was better to remember about the past or not. How some places taught their children about the past and some didn't. Would you want to know or not? I would want to know. What do you guys think? I would want yeah, to know. I'd want to know. Same. I mean, I, I want to know about stuff in the past now and it doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. affect me. Yeah, well, we're also not living in an apocalypse. Uh, well, yeah. We might be headed towards one. I don't know. I mean, well, probably, Donald Trump yeah, is but, president. But so. see, we'll know because we were yeah. here. <laughs> we watched it go down. In yeah. <laughs> we were here for that election, you guys. All That's of us true. Oof. Um, and <laughs> then finally, I asked my dad to comment on the cult stuff because, as He's you guys we know, we were talking about who we would call if we were in a cult and we decided we would call my dad. So I said, like, how do you feel about the fact that we would call you if we were in a cult? And he said, um, as for the cult stuff, I guess I didn't think about it as a cult story, more of like a primitive society worshiping the volcano god, not arguing that it wasn't culty. That's just not how I saw it. But I asked him, you know, Okay, but like, if we were in a cult and we needed help, could we call you? And he said yes. So. Good. <laughs> we were right. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Because I so think I remember dad. saying my dad would be in the cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then my dad would just really mad and my dad it. it was my, I had to deal with it. And he would hang yeah, out. my dad would be pissed and say, "Yeah, deal with that." Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone Stephanie does get this reference because she is an up. MFM fan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie knows all about you're in a cult. Call your dad. Um, yeah, we said my dad would just sigh into the phone, like, yeah, <laughs> and that'd be it. And then I have to call him later. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Okay, so then that's it for listener feedback then, because the rest is solo. Yeah, yeah, we've got yes. so many so we'll solo questions, and you're just gonna time. have to wait until next time for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Let's get into stuff we're into. Okay. <laughs> So can can Emily and I share a stuff we're into? Yeah, yeah, no, Mary. I yeah, thought I was already told what this would be us yeah. sharing our stuff we're into. And so, don't no even light spoilers because I really no 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 no. Did it, okay. do you not see what it says here? It says without spoiling it. Okay, so yeah, but this episode of stuff we're into is brought to you by Hereditary, <laughs> um, the new A two four film that Mary and I saw last night. It was so good. It was actually scary. That's all. I'm so, like, I've been so ready for that movie. I'm seeing it this week. I think I'm seeing it this week, too. I'm so The first time I saw the trailer, I literally was, like, gonna, I I was about to start crying. The trailer is terrifying. I've seen the trailer (laughs) several times, and I want to say that even though I've seen the trailer, um, it was just enough to entice me. Going into the movie, seeing the movie, I was surprised by a lot of what happened, which is 
actually very strange for movies nowadays because, you know, trailers give away so much of the story and they don't trust Mm -hmm. the audience. Yeah. Oh, especially horror movies. Like, even like, okay, Get Out. I love Get Out. It was a great movie, but I would have loved it a lot more had I not known everything that was going to happen in it because of the trailer. Um, So I really... I'm trying to talk about this movie right now without giving anything away because so much of the experience for me was just, like, actually being shocked by yeah. what was happening. I'll say also, um, I thought which the was really cool was really great. And it was, it seemed like... Um, Toni Collette yes. is fucking I mean, it amazing. Was just I a love well her. a made movie, which, you know, like, A24 does not disappoint. Yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll just share an anecdote to demonstrate how okay. I felt about it. A couple of days before Emily and I saw the movie, my friend Kyle, our friend Kyle, yes, called me and said in a whisper into the phone, Mary, <laughs> have you seen Hereditary? But she didn't because she was and waiting said, for me. What a good friend. Yeah, and I said, no, Emily and I are going to go see it Sunday night Aww. and I'll talk to you about it then. And he said, I won't say a word, but I am shook. Yeah. And that's all he would say. And he kept, like, stuttering. He was like, I just, I mean, what do you, uh, what do you just, like, he kept trying to say stuff. <laughs> and last night, um, after we saw it, Ugh. I another friend, Jen, went with us. Loyal horror movie listener of the pod, Jen. Hey, Jen. She um, went with us. And now it is horror movie club, not just Mary and Emily going to a movie. Yeah, all it takes is three to be a club. (laughs) I, like, dropped her off and immediately called Kyle. Or if you want to be a squad, though. And when he picked up the phone, I said, Kyle, I understand. I am sure. I want to talk to Kyle about it. I need to to talk to Kyle about this movie. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. So I'm supposed to go to a baseball game on Wednesday, but I've already made backup rain Hereditary plans. plans. It's going to rain and the backup yeah. rain. You should just see this ditch movie, the baseball And I kind of hope it rains. So I've given baseball two sucks. movies five stars right. this year. <laughs> you know, I've given five stars this year. Um, and those movies are Annihilation and Hereditary. Just, just my. Okay. You know, my opinion. Um, I would love if you and Kelly see this, if like Susan and Kelly see this and love it, I would love to talk about it sometime. Yeah. Okay. We could talk about it. We could, we do, could a little, do another little, segment. Like, little baby sewed, little baby bonus sewed. So that's what we're into. Baby sewed. Yeah. <laughs> Emily and I are, quote, shook. Okay. Stuff that shook us. Hereditary. Yes. <laughs> I that's what I want to hear from our guest. I want to hear from our guest something that she's into. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have actually um, two things. Oh, one that I had ahead of time, which was um, on a Netflix show uh, called Safe. It's with Michael C. Hall. Oh, I love Michael C. Hall. It's very atmospheric English mystery um, series. Yeah, Michael C. Hall from yeah. Dexter. Um, and this is, uh, based on a book by Harlan Coben. So, uh, so it's a, it's a one episode. I mean, um, one, it's a, one series, many episodes. I'm not sure how many series episodes in the series, but it's very, oh, it's just very good. I do have to say though, given the previous conversation about audiobooks, Michael C. Hall does not do a very good English accent. <laughs> so I think. 
yeah, he he does the, the audible oh, English no. accent. Um, yeah, it's it's not great, but everything else is so good, and I'm I haven't finished it to know if it holds um, the whole through the whole series. But it's I've very been really good. curious about and, it. So that is enough. To yes, the about. the first several episodes are very good. And then the second thing, based on what y'all were saying about hereditary and wanting, like, somebody desperately wanting somebody to talk about this, I have to bring up this book, which I'm, I've been into it for a long time, but haven't had anybody else to talk about it with, is the, the book Candy Girl, which is <laughs> the, a memoir of um, Diablo Cody. You know, she wrote Juno yeah. and won the Academy Award for it. And, um, she, this is her memoir about her time as a stripper. Oh, yeah. And it is just a fascinating read. It is very short. It, it has little things like, you know, picking out your, the song you would strip to. So it's great book club fodder, but I need some other women to talk about this book <laughs> with because it's <laughs> so good. So please read that and, and, like let's discuss it. How about I read it and then you and I can do like a team <gasps> that would be awesome. About it. I would love that. Oh, yeah, yes. I should totally yes. do that. Okay. Um, side note, we did try to do the. We have a book club at work. Um, Stephanie and I worked together until Aww. like last week, um, but <laughs> still broken up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just still <laughs> trying to get through it. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> She recommended that book for our work <laughs> book club. And then, like, a week into it, sent out this mass message that was like... And then I had to retract. PSA, yeah. do not read this book. Not, it's not okay no. for that work. That me fired. I'm getting it fired. Not safe for a work, um, you know, book club discussion. But it is um, just perfect yeah, for any other... Our are always not safe for work, so... <laughs> Oh, always. Um, I'll I'll be quick with mine. This is Susan. Um, I read Emily's book riot post about um, good yeah. mystery audiobooks, and I had a trip coming up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you oh, for Stephanie, supporting me. Stephanie loves all of your posts, yes. Emily. You guys are. I know. Yes. You guys are one. Yes. Um, but when I saw your praise for sharp objects, I was like, okay, yes, the time yes, has yes, come because yes. I'd been looking at it forever, but thought I, I thought it wouldn't live up to like my Gillian Flynn dreams. Um, loved it. Like, Yay! so loved it. Cannot wait for that mini series. The trailer looks Me awesome. Either. I'm very excited about Amy Adams. So yeah, I would recommend, very good. I would recommend the audiobook for that. So it was a good audiobook, genuinely. <laughs> And obviously, I listened to the audiobook, too, because I recommended it. Right. Um, and it was a very good audiobook, and I did listen to it on a road trip. So true to advertisement, I trust, I tested it out, y'all. Yeah. I listened and to it on a plane. It also works on a plane. So. Yeah. Plane. Yeah, that was road. a great post. I, I really enjoyed that post and had several books on there that I loved already and then some that I was, like, glad to discover. So everybody should check Noise. out that post. We'll link oh, to that, too. In the show yeah. We'll link to it. Um, this is Kelly. I will do mine very quickly, which is not... It's like I came up with it at the last second because I don't know. Uh, and also, a lot of people have probably already discovered this, but um, if you haven't yet, everyone needs to listen to Janelle Monae's new album. Yes, that's Dirty so Computer. Yeah. I'm about to see it's, her in a few months. Are you going to Voodoo Fest? At Voodoo Fest. Yes, that's I was right. about to say, go see her at Voodoo Fest. Yeah, I'm so, so jealous. jealous. Um, she's amazing. It's amazing. Go listen okay. to it if you love yourself. And we all do. So we're going to all listen to that tonight. <laughs> and then um, quickly, I'm just going to talk about my featured bookstore. 
Um, so we, as you probably know, if you're a listener, feature a different bookstore every month, um, a local bookstore, and encourage people to shop at them. And we'll link to um, this bookstore on our website. Um, but the the bookstore is called Books Are Magic. Yeah. And the website is booksaremagic.net. That's such a great name. It's actually a very new bookstore. Uh, it's located in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. And it, it opened, like, a year ago, like, barely a year ago. Um, and happy, happy birthday, birthday. Books Are Magic. And it's owned by Emma Straub, who is an author. She wrote The Vacationers. Um, oh, yeah. And she wrote some other novels. And her husband, Michael Fusco Straub, who is a graphic designer, and his stuff is really cool. So basically they're a power couple who decided to oh open a bookstore. Oh, my God. I want to be them. Um, yeah. It's Definitely. super it's such cute. A cute Emily and I <laughs> went <laughs> – Emily and I went to this bookstore while she was visiting and took a bunch of photos and stuff. And so I'll have a blog post up. I mean, it will be up now when you're hearing this. Um, but yeah, they have, you know, it's just like a, re- a really cute indie bookstore. They have a bunch of really cool events. Some of the upcoming events, um, John Hodgman is reading from Vacation Land on Saturday, June 23rd. And then if you guys watch. I like him. Are I you love going him. to go I kind see of want to go. I'm thinking about it. Um. And then if you guys watch John Oliver uh, and you saw his whole segment about a day in the life of Marlon Bundo, which is the rabbit <laughs> that is um, – who is – is it uh, Mike Pence's yeah. rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like his pet rabbit and they were – they like wrote a book about this rabbit but like uh, – Mike Pence is super obviously anti-gay, and so the the people at um, last week tonight, uh, as, and Jill Twist, who I think is the author of this book, um, wrote a book called "A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo," with, featuring Marlon Bundo, but he's like gay, <laughs> and it's all about <laughs> his like um, it's like a lovely like family like story about two gay bunnies who just want to be in love so and good. the obstacles yeah, that they so face. <laughs> and in like the first week it to- completely outsold the book that uh uh Mike Pence had published. I keep wanting to call Mike Pence Mitt Romney. I mean it's like, conf- no, I mean, that's not the same. It's almost yeah, as bad, but they not have quite. similarities. <laughs> One of one's more anti-gay, but other than that they're basically the yeah. same. All right. Exactly. But anyway, so she's doing a reading at this bookstore, too. I also will say, just quickly browsing the Books Are Magic website, they, um, like uh, Avid, Avid I mean, in Athens, yeah, have a subscription they do, service. We, yes, they do. Yeah. They do. We love a good subscription service. Yes. We certainly do. So we will be linking to Books Are Magic on our website and you can check out the blog post also what else is on the blog what the heck guys? is on the blog first of all well, emily let's <laughs> this section what? is called what the what fuck the is on the blog on, huh? um emily let's talk about the quiz you made <laughs> uh, oh you want me to talk about the quiz <laughs> yeah so i made a quiz that's which squad member are you wait what? Has our guest taken the quiz? I have taken the quiz, and I am a Susan. I was actually so, surprised. By yeah, that. we thought she was going to be an Emily. Uh, so Stephanie is a it's Susan. Rinsed. I really feel like it seems like most people are either an Emily or a Susan. There seem to be fewer Kelly and Marys. I but thought I was going to be an Emily because I, we have 
such similar tastes in books and and in oh, mysteries and all I'm your, sorry yeah. but was, <laughs> sorry she's still got a good one <laughs> well that's well that's the that's the awesome that's the best thing about this quiz is like no matter who you get it's gonna be awesome so it's like win 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 yeah four wins so I'm sorry that you couldn't be part of the Emily Club but the Susan Club is just as cool. Yeah, I, I loved on, I saw on some of the social media, somebody it said, I thought I was, numbers. I definitely thought I was going to be a Mary because of, I just love that bow because of the dress you're wearing in the picture. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely take the quiz and, you know, comment and let us know who you get. Um, especially if you get Mary or Kelly because they need more people in I've their club. I've been seeing some Marys and Kellys popping up. Yeah, yeah. I am writing a blog post about Tig Notaro's new stand-up special, Happy to Be Here. Um, I love Tig Notaro, but especially because this is Pride Month, I wanted to feature a queer artist. And so this is Tig's time to shine, and that's what I'll be writing about. So that is up there now, not later, currently. In one day. From a week ago. (laughs) In one day from the time you are listening to this podcast. On tomorrow. The John Green Post. What? Nah, long discussed is being posted tomorrow. Well, the day after tomorrow. I don't know when you're listening to this, but basically a couple of days after this podcast goes right. up, it's about time. John Green blog post will be. Wow, I'm, I'm scared. Um, basically, Todd, our guest from Station Eleven, and I discuss. Um, John Green's career as a young adult novelist and particularly spend some time focusing on his newest novel Turtles All the Way Down Mm. so I'm going to have to finally (laughs) read that book huh Emily and and Mary are notorious John Green haters notorious notorious I grew up reading John Green as a teenager to sort of temper my feelings about John Green we have tied who was who is like a former teenage boy who read John Green? I don't hate while John a Green. Boy, so okay. Well, I'm a former teenage girl who read John Green as a teenage girl and also loved it. So you know, I, I read John Green as an I did adult. too, and I yeah, still didn't hate him. That's... Sorry, don't be sorry, Gryffindor again. Um, don't be sorry. All right, next time on the podcast on the next other episode. <laughs> Next time on Books. <laughs> Are you ready for season um, two? You're doing another Westworld because that's what's about to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season two. Yeah. Season yeah. Two I haven't watched World. a single episode, so I can't say anything about it right now. But Holy I'm very crap. excited. Better to way. I'm gonna binge gonna it. Have to marathon it. <laughs> I'm not halfway done. Yeah. I've committed to binging. I I like to binge Westworld. I like to pick a craft. That's probably that smart. That requires very little thought. <laughs> And just go to town. Yeah, I do that. I color. So, I do those adult coloring books that are supposed to like relax you, but oh yeah, they don't really too. relax me. They just hurt my fingers. But I still mm-hmm. like them. <laughs> They're pretty. That's yeah. why you got to get the app for your phone and color on your phone. No, no, no. I because I need my phone to be away from me when I'm trying to relax. See what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Mary, tell us about that next book because it's your pick. The your next pick. book is super extra grande. Uh, by Yoss. Yoss! Sounds a like a name. DJ and not an Yoss. author, but okay. Um, Yoss is a Cuban author, 
He's kind of been a hot name on the science fiction scene recently because uh, we don't see like tons of science fiction coming out of Cuba. So I'm excited to read this book. I know very little about it in the tradition of how much I know about <laughs> books um, that we're reading. But I do know it is a science fiction book about a doctor who is a doctor to aliens. Mm. Sort of like Dr. Doolittle, uh, but aliens? It was recommended to me by our department chair. So, we'll see. Cool. Do we trust him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he loves science fiction and reads a lot of science fiction. And he recommended the Area X trilogy to me, which I've mentioned. Wait, what? Wait, you like, oh, you like, what? The you like the Area X trilogy? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh-uh. <laughs> so I can't remember a single time you've brought it up, but okay. Wait, who, what, what is that? Little do you know, there's just like a side podcast that I have. It's just me talking about <laughs> Annihilation over and over I could do that. Like recordings on your phone. Mary, you and I need to start a podcast where all we do is talk about Annihilation and Hereditary every week. Guys, quit starting side podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Although, okay, wait, so. maybe we should plug that Stephanie and I actually do have a podcast. Um is it out yet? Because I've been eagerly awaiting to yeah, listen. Yeah, well, you, you're going to be eagerly awaiting just a little bit longer, but what we can tell you about it is that it's going to happen. It is okay. absolutely going to happen. Okay. And it uh-huh. is called Killing Me Softly. <laughs> and if you're into That's true crime, then you might be into this. It's about, it's like one part bad dating and relationship stories and one part relationship-based murders. Oh, <laughs> I like both of these things. voice for the last hour, I know you yeah, it's I just our two voice voices over and over. You guys no. actually have very nice voices, and I can't wait to listen to your nice voices telling me about murder. Once it's out, we'll tell yeah. you about it. It's in the works, though, so yes. it's happening. That's exciting. That's yeah, very so exciting. You know what, what else is exciting? Rating us <gasps> on iTunes. Right. So exciting. It's so exciting when you just, like, get that review up and you just, like, write that sexy little review and you press send. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're stooping so low now. I love it. Um, please, <laughs> please, please do it. Please everyone. do that. Oh. Also, follow us on social media. We are at Book Squad Goals on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, please, like, like things that we post and then comment on them and engage, you know? Yeah, just and engage. send any... Yeah thoughts on on any book that we've discussed or on anything from our other episodes we'll be reading some solo feedback next time so you can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com yeah yes you can and our website is www.booksquadgoals.com thank you stephanie thanks stephanie yeah Yay! We Yay, had murder. a lot of fun it was having great talking you. to an expert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, don't get murdered, and this was fun. <laughs> or, or do, do. You like know. I don't want to tell you how to live your life. Do if you I want mean, like, to. Try not. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know how to end, Stephanie. So. <laughs>